Hello all you gore fiends and horror hounds, this is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing really good, how you doing? Uh, amazing, since we are finally back on a Friday the 13th, and... Uh, spoilers, we're doing a double feature today, so expect another episode out later. <laughs> oh, it'll literally be out as this is out. Yes. So th- they saw it. Oh, good. But yeah, this one, we're doing Friday the 13th, the original from 1980, which I don't know if there's any other movie I have so much history with. Oh, definitely. Like, it's, well, it sounds cliche and weird to say, but it's the one that started it all, like, you don't get Jason Space as an Uber Jason. You don't get Jason Voorhees fighting Freddy Krueger. You don't get him taking Manhattan, fighting a psychic carry. <laughs> you just look at all the weird shit like this series takes, it all traces back to here. Yeah, and it's so weird. It's just like such a simple, simple story of like, mom is sad that boy died, takes revenge on camp that boy died at. Very simple. Yeah. That goes to, it's the year 2500, hockey's been outlawed, and now there's this killer, like, zombie man in space. Yeah, it's great. I love, if you trace it back to here, like, oh, that's what started it all. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> but, oh my, like, it has to be one of the very first horror movies I ever saw. Really? I was wondering, is this the first Friday you saw? I... See, that's so hard to say. I'm thinking it might be, because I remember growing up, and I'm still this way, if, if there's like a new series I want to get into, I will have to start from the very first movie. So I'm pretty sure that this is the very first one that I ever bought and whatnot. I don't think it was mine. In fact, I'm almost positive it wasn't. I, I know I started with the Jason Proper one, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because... I, I told you before, I think, I watched all these out of order until I finally did a full watch through. So it was definitely one of the classic Hockey Mask Jasons that I watched before this. It's not even like Sackhead in part two, where you're like, this series is all over the place! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was so funny, because I always thought, like, you know, the stories pretty much end with each movie and a whole new group of people. I always didn't realize that when I was a kid. I'm like, man, I'm always lost on all these characters, like, who's related to who and who's what. I'm like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter, no. once I finally watched it the whole way through. I pretty much did know out of just watching the movie research for this, one, because I know a fair amount of Friday the 13th, and anything I don't, I'm sure you'll be there to pick up on. Oh, that's why I'm, like, just so ready to, like, spew all this knowledge over, like, 20... Uh, over 20 years of preparing for this episode, watching this movie over and over and over again to the point of like, this is another VHS tape that is completely worn out. Oh, definitely. And we did not go the classic horror podcast route where anytime I find a new horror movie podcast, I like Friday the 13th is always an earlier episode and everyone's early episodes aren't that great. It's just what happens. You get pretty good after a little while going at it. And we saved ours till we knew what we were doing. It's not like episode three or four. Yeah, luckily. I know we did kind of burn Jason X on an earlier episode, but luckily, if we're going to do that with a Friday the 13th movie, it is Jason X. But I always feel bad for Jason X. We should have did five, but there's no way I was doing five before I had to. <laughs> It's just immediately right out the gate doing five. You're like, I'm done. (laughs) But yeah, there's like even like, yeah, Dead Meat, like almost immediately did the Friday the 13th series. Um, There's a few other like horror podcasts, like you said, that I listened to that did them. And then they almost like every almost everyone ends up going back and redoing them. Because like you said, early episodes are nowhere near as good as when you get to know what you're doing. Yeah, it's just the way it works for everyone. Yeah. But we have two of these to get through. You want to start at this? Yes. Uh, directed by Sean S. Cunningham and uh, produced, written by Victor Miller. Yes, and these guys need to chill out. Yeah, well, I think it's mostly uh, Sean S. Cunningham that needs to chill out with, just give us a Friday the 13th movie. Stop suing everybody. It, you're gonna. Nobody's making money right now off of this. The only people that are doing well are the YouTube people. 
Yeah, and I mean, thankful for them, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But Camp Crystal Lake, 1958 is where we start this thing. I love it when they give you a date. I, I do too. Um, we have a bunch of counselors, seemingly with no kids around, just singing by the fire in the cabin, and two leave to fool around. The one's named Claudette, I remember, and I don't think they're ever even named, I just remember that. I don't yeah. remember the guy's name. Yeah, I'm not sure. They're never dev. I don't think they're given names at all. Oh, Barry, that's his name here. I just see it in the uh, letterbox thing, and I just recognize a stupid smile. But um, <laughs> yeah, there. It's not like oh, Claudette, let's go. And yeah, they're. I'm pretty sure they're unnamed in the actual thing. Yeah, but they go into another cabin and up like to the second floor of it, and. They're getting it on. We cut to the point of view camera going towards them, and they're both killed. The guy's killed first, and the girl's, like, moving around trying to get away, obviously killed. Point of view cam is Friday the 13th, Jalo Brett. <laughs> I mean, this one is probably about the closest you could get. Because this one and the and part two and part five is, like, kind of a whodunit kind of thing. So I could see those ones being pretty close to a Giallo type. Dude, all, like, purists are turning us off as we speak. <laughs> Say, no, this is throbbing. We said it, so it's fact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I love when they're fooling around, and, like, he has her shirt, like, half unbuttoned, kind of, and then they see someone coming up the stairs. It's like, oh, no, someone's coming. Hurry. And then, of course, Mrs. Voorhees appears at the top of the stair. We don't see that it's Unseen her, to us, yeah. But it's like, oh, uh, we weren't doing nothing. <laughs> Yeah, and they clearly know who she is because we know she worked for. The, she's an old friend of the Christies, but before she worked at the camp and everything, she was the cook. And I'm pretty sure in Jason lore, this takes place like one year after Jason drowned. That makes sense because I I feel like it wouldn't be that same camping trip. And it's also this movie does a really does actually do a good job of who done it. Exactly, because it definitely at the beginning there, with the Jeeps, you think it's Steve Christie. Yeah, definitely. But we'll get there. Um, you were just about to go into, we're going into one of the greatest title cards in all of movie history. It's the Friday the 13th title cards, because they just come at you and explode. <laughs> yeah, it just shoots like 3D across the screen. It's classic. I love it. I wish they would, like more movies would have like you know I love the trauma opening like that they still use. I love these. I like cheesy old school title cards. Yeah, and I love that it's just like white text on a back black background with just like the awesome Harry Manfredini music going on. Well, we both know, but if you don't the way they wrote this movie is they came up with the title and nothing else at first. Yeah, I love that they put it in uh, the newspaper or something in Hollywood or what, in California. And they're like, the new movie, Friday the 13th. Because they wanted to see if anyone owned the name Friday the 13th. Because if they did, they would get in trouble and no one said a word. Yeah, before they even started. What was the, the, they saying then? The scariest movie you've ever seen. Yeah. You know, old taglines are just cheesy like that, but... They had the idea for the date and the movie being called that before they had written a single piece of the movie. Because of the uh, popularity of Halloween, which was made because of the popularity of Black Christmas. Yeah, it all traces Made because of that. Psycho, which... <laughs> yep. Hitchcock was the only original. Yeah. Well, even he stole it from a book that Ed Gein did, and then... <laughs> yep, Friday, June 13th, the present... Annie walking through town. This town is near and dear to both of our hearts. Yes, very familiar to us. And um, as soon as this scene comes up every time now since we've visited Blairstown and uh, this opening scene comes up, I just remember going there and how much fun it was. Be like, oh, we walked through that bridge. We walked through that archway. I ate at that diner. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit of movie magic, too, because technically, if you know the town... She's walking one direction, and then she goes up a hill and walks back towards where she was before, but you would never know that. Yeah, in this opening of this movie, she goes into town three separate times. 
Yes, and she's just zigzagging all over the place. From the left, from the right, and then also from the cemetery. <laughs> she stops at a diner to ask for directions to camp to the camp. Does anyone know how to get to Camp Crystal Lake? Well, I, we also get the great, um, hi girl, excuse me, hi boy. <laughs> it, it's it's really this really <laughs> odd dialogue with her, which like she's oh, very peppy. You, we and should what- say what you're talking about in case people haven't seen this. It's a dog. She just stops, pets a dog, and does that, and then leaves. Yeah, it's like, do you know how to get to Camp Crystal Lake? It's that far, huh? Huh, thanks. And she's it's like way <laughs> overly like peppy and excited. She is is very like almost like seventies television, not even like movies, like the way she's acting. Yeah, and I have I've also seen um interviews with her and her she's like, Oh, my big claim to fame is I'm the very first one ever killed in a Fire the Thirteenth movie. And I'm sitting there going, like, Well, actually Yeah, I was gonna say you're the third. Yeah, you're no you're not. In present day, yes. Yeah, it may maybe it was filmed first or something like that. Or she probably has no like had no idea. Or she who knows yeah. if she's seen the movie. I'm sure she has at this point. Yeah, but she asked for directions. I was like, "Can't blood, huh? Can't believe they're opening that place up." And the one guy says he'll give her a ride in his oil truck. And then on the way to the oil truck, who do we run into? Going to Camp Blood, ain't you? He's got a death curse. The, my probably my favorite like secondary character like the background people outside of like the main like Jason Mrs. Voorhees people is Crazy Ralph. I love him. I wish they kept him around more than just part one and two. I just love his character. I love especially in this one that he's just like the town drunk crazy person that his like wife is always worried about him and they had to take him home drunk and he's just like running around spouting gospel about Camp Blood. Ralph is awesome. I get so much joy every time he's on screen. And like, I'm not even joking or being like sarcastic. It's not ironic. No, Ralph is something special. Like every time he's on there, just spouting his nonsense. It's great. He and he see like I know Walt Gorney was a um, actual actor, but he seems like just a town person that they stuck in this like little movie that they were shooting in this like small New Jersey town. That's because he's a good actor. Yeah, he is so good. They're in the truck after, get it, Ralph, go away, and they're driving, and the truck guy tells her to quit. Is it too late? You should quit your job. That camp is jinxed. I also, uh, getting Annie into the truck, he gets one hell of a feel up on her, where he's like, number one, he's like, kind of being creepy on her, where he's like, are all the girls up at Camp Crystal Lake going to be as good looking as you? And then, yeah, he's got some major creeper vibes, but she doesn't have that danger alarm go off. No, she's way too peppy and, like, uh, upbeat about life. He's like, oh, okay, you can grab my ass, weird old man. Yeah. That, that's sure, riding your oil tanker. For, I don't know why. That always just caught me of, like, I think she could get in the truck by herself. You don't need to boost her up. Yeah, if anyone needs help getting into the truck, it looks like it would be you, not her. It's you. Can you fit inside of the truck, fat old man? (laughs) He drops her off by the cemetery. I guess that's just as far as he's going, but still got her closer, so she's still walking. Next, we cut to the most famous person in this movie, which is just wild when you think about it. Oh, uh, Kevin Bacon? Yes, Kevin Bacon, who plays Jack, is riding with Marcy and Ned to the camp. They get there, and we already have Alice and Steve Christie there working on things. Yeah, where I love they pull up. Steve Christie is immediately like, you, you, and you, help me get this stump up. Okay, now grab this paint. Now you go run, do this. And they're like, I thought we had two weeks to finish this place. Like, what's the rush? It's like, oh man, I thought this was going to be fun. Of course we got the drill sergeant here, even though he looks like a hippie. He's making some choices in this outfit, isn't he? Oh, he's got, he is confident. He's got some short shorts, like short jean shorts going on. He's got a band, red bandana thing. Like, he's got like the boots no with shirt. The, the Sykes Huck uh, hike down. <laughs> yeah. He's like big tube socks on, short denim shorts, no shirt, a necklace, and a bandana wrapped around his neck. He's just. 
making some choices. Yeah. No wonder why Alice wants to leave. He's, she's like... <laughs> yeah, she's giving it a week to decide she stayed or not. He's like, oh, you should stay. I think it's implied that they were hooking up as well. Yeah, I believe that as well, because hearing just like a, a scene, so we need to go ahead and talk about it, uh, where she's putting up the gutter and he's looking through her sketches, it's like, oh, is that what I look like? Like, oh, yeah, that's what you looked like last night. But then later in the movie, Alice is running around with Bill and being all, like, kissy and huggy all over him. Yeah, which I almost like because it breaks the whole, like, final girl stereotype that never really was true to begin with thing. Yeah, about, like, she's, like, it's, like, the virgin is the one that's gonna survive and whatnot. Alice is playing Strip Monopoly in this. She's smoking weed. She's drinking. I know. I always... Uh, everyone points to Laurie Strode, and that's not the case with her either. Like, all these original ones, it's sometimes the case, but it's not the rule. No, even Laurie Strode was trying to hook up with, fuck, what was his name? I forget. I don't remember. She smokes weed in the truck. I mean, in the car. Yeah, she smokes weed in the car, and I I think she drinks a little bit. And then she's trying, oh, Ben Tramer. She has a crush on Ben Tramer. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, basically we just get a bunch of shots of our counselors all around the camp to sh- set up what we're going to be dealing with later. Like, Bill's painting by the lake, Brenda's at the archery range, all these kind of things oh, like that. I have a question for you. What's up? Wait, so, Alice runs down to see if Bill needs any more paint, and he's like, no, I'm good on paint, but I need paint thinner. What is paint thinner used for? The thin paint. Is that it? I think, like, if you have too much of it. Okay, I've... I was thinking it was that but then also like the only time i've never seen paint thinner used it's always just been on the shelf so i didn't know if it was like oh it's you fucked up and that takes paint off of the thing or does that just it's like acetone isn't it it smells like shit you know what where i when i work like there's like a few stations away from me is the paint area and they use paint thinner and I won't lie, I don't know what it's for. Yeah, I don't either. Like what is that weird, extremely like hazardous smelling chemical for? <laughs> They're like, oh no, this gets you high for when you paint, so it makes painting better. I mean, honestly, that's probably the best idea for it. <laughs> it, uh, it also comes with a bag and a rag. Yes. <laughs> Um, but we cut back to Annie, and she's picked up by a Jeep on her way. We don't see the driver. Thanks for the ride. But then the driver blows past her turn. It's like, I think that was the turn. Driver just starts driving faster, and so Annie jumps out of the car. And this is uh, at first when I think that they're trying to, like, deceive you of, like, uh, Christy is the killer. Because he also has a green Jeep that he just left in. And, like, the next scene is Annie getting picked up by a green Jeep, but you don't see who the driver is. Exactly. They, they do set up a red herring or two. But then that's almost, like, immediately taken care of later when Steve is at that diner for who knows how many hours drinking coffee with that waitress and letting all of the camp counselors do all the work for him. I mean, that's why he hired him. He didn't want to do it. No, he wants to. And honestly, if I lived that close to the Blairstown Diner, I would find any excuse to go there myself. That burger I had was fucking amazing. I still think about it. <laughs> that diner is really good. Where are we at? Oh, yeah. So she dives out of the Jeep and she's running through the woods for a while. The driver drove back towards her, is chasing her. Again, we never see the driver the whole time. Finally, Annie leans up against a tree, gets her throat slit, and. It's one of those weird where when the camera's looking at the hand with a knife, it, like, flies real fast. And then when it cuts to her actually happening, it's just, like, kind of drug across her throat. It's also another where I love the behind the scenes with Betsy Palmer. Because, like, I'm Tom Savini did all of these kills. Like, he's, like, Mrs. Voorhees' hands clutching at the air at the very end. He's, like, this yeah. one where he's, she cuts Annie's neck. And, it's like, and Betsy Palmer's like, I do not have hairy knuckles. Look at those hands. <laughs> those are giant Tom Savini hands, which, holy shit, Tom Savini did a fucking great job in this. I love Betsy Palmer, but I can almost guarantee there's no way she knows who Tom Savini is. No. <laughs> uh, we cut to the counselor swimming at the docks, and someone's watching him from the woods. One of them kind of notices, like, I thought I saw someone there. Must have been nothing. Yeah, Brenda. She's, because she's, yeah, like, swimming right. around, and also, like, 
I know it's a lake and lake water's dirty, but for some reason this water just looks extremely brown. It is a bit of a dirty lake, isn't it? Well, I think it's actually the actual name of it is Sand Lake, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. So that makes sense. But also, I swim in uh, Raystown Lake, which, you know, isn't going to be that much better, so. No, not at all. And this also can be pretty nasty. It makes me just like, I cannot wait for it just to be nice all the time so I can go to the lake and swim and like camp. Speaking of that, Ned fakes drowning to get some mouth to mouth, which probably pisses Pamela off when I'm watching this. Because here's a bunch of counselors at the lake fooling around kissing and everything instead of being careful. What's that sound like? And they're also, like, making fun of, like, oh, I'm drowning. Oh, no, I'm fine. And, yeah, I always took that the same way of, I bet you Betsy, uh, Mrs. Voorhees is just like, oh, you guys are going to fucking die double. (laughs) Yeah. Now, here's where we get the most controversial scene in all Friday the 13th is the Mm. snake scene next. Yeah, this is before no animals were harmed in the making of this film. Yeah, so... You know what's even weirder? It wasn't in the script originally. Tom Savini found a snake in his actual cabin, and that came gave them the idea for the scene. Now, it wasn't that snake, but they had a snake wrangler or someone with a pet snake. The story changes so much depending who you ask. Yeah, it's one of those. And brought it in, and then the snake's head was cut off, and there was a big thing. Like I, Some stories say the guy didn't know. He tried to sue the, them. It's all a thing. Here's the thing, a real snake died, it sucks, I'm not supporting that whatsoever, but it's there. Yeah, it's also kind of like with Nosferatu the vampire, where it's like, sad to know that like half of those rats died. Yeah, exactly, it just fucking sucks. I wish people never did that, but that's where we are with movies. Luckily, we're way past that now, of even the, the cockroaches that you see in movies have specific wranglers, and those cockroaches are probably treated way better than you are. Oh, I guarantee it. <laughs> so after the snake scene, like when everyone's in the room, like it's Alice finds it screams and more and more counselors just keep <laughs> appearing in the room. And it's kind of hilarious and with that how it happens. And then it's like almost like a raining feathers from pillows like being swung around and everything. It's like the three stooges would be more like competent to take care of the snake issue. Where like Ned is like, cause he's the, uh, I love Ned, because he's like the comic relief. He's like, feats don't fail me now! And then for some reason, Kevin Bacon (laughs) jumps on the bed and then breaks Alice's bed. Yeah, for no reason. (laughs) Yeah, he just like, body slams. It's like when you and your friends were in middle school and you were like playing wrestling in your like room, and you would accidentally break something. They did like that. There's always that moment of panic when that happens, where everyone just immediately freezes where they are. Well, I threw my buddy Dalton into my couch in, like, middle or high school, and, like, you know, there's that wooden, like, uh, beam that goes, like, at the very yeah. back of the couch? I threw him through that. So, forever, then, my couch was broken. Yes. You don't know what happened to it. No, I, I must have sat on it, Mom and Dad. I don't know. <laughs> Another personal favorite scene of mine is next, and that's the cop on the motorcycle showing up (laughs) looking for Ralph. Oh my god, yeah, it's so great, because I also, like, this cop, and everyone comments on this, of he does not know how to drive a motorcycle. No! And the actor himself has said in the behind the scenes of, like, yeah, I didn't know how to drive a motorcycle, and everyone was laughing at me behind the camera. He's like, the entire time I was just thinking, don't wreck this motorcycle. Dude, he almost dumps it three times. It's hilarious. And then, like, every time I watch it, it never fails to amaze me, because he really almost wrecks when he first turns around. Yeah. Then he goes, and he skids a little again. I'm like, okay, he's got it now. And then it happens again. (laughs) But it's just also so funny, because, like, all the camp counselors are, like, snickering behind his back, even, like, what the scene calls for. So it's so much even better that this cop is, A, getting yelled at by his chief to, like, leave the camp alone, get back in here and do some work. And then, number two, he almost wrecks several times within, like, 50 feet. Yeah, but he was looking for Ralph. He wandered off. He might have come this way. Which I love. Like, this is when Kevin Bacon, like, goes walking up. And he's like, what you been smoking, son? He's like, don't smoke. Causes cancer. He's like, you know what I'm talking about. Or just get off a spaceship, boy. Grass, hash, the weed. 
<laughs> You're not exaggerating either. If you think Brent's just joking, that's how he says it. Yeah, grass, hash, the weed. I love that. And I even love later uh, when they're pl- playing Strip Monopoly, Brenda's like, see if there's any of that grass left. Yeah, it's very... I mean, it's 2022 now, but I wonder if people actually did talk about weed like this way back in the day. Or if it's just bad writing. If you were around in that time and you smoked weed, let us know at Throbbing Horror on Twitter. Did people actually call weed grass back in the day, or is that just a thing you hear in these movies and like Cheech and Chong movies? Yeah. Alice is in the pantry searching around for stuff and opens up the pantry door and <laughs> fucking Ralph's just <laughs> chilling in the pantry. What was he doing in there? Because he says why he is there, but why was he just chilling in the pantry? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I locked myself in here. Anyway, you're doomed. <laughs> I'm a messenger of God. You're all doomed if you stay. Doomed. All doomed. You go, you must get out of here. Go. Go. Jack, Kevin Bacon, and someone else come running in, and they, like, kind of escort Ralph out. But he ha- still has his weird, like, neck twist, like, staring around the room walk the whole way out. Yeah, and he takes his time. And then, how many miles did they say it was to Camp Crystal Lake? It was, like, a lot. So he just rides his bike. He does this, like, every other day or something. I love him on his bike. It's like this old man, like, 1940s looking bike. Well, because he also has, like, a weird hat. He has, like, suspenders and a vest on. Yeah, I love Crazy Ralph. Yeah, so do I. Um, They're all out. Ned sees someone go into one of the cabins, and he goes in after them. And Marcy and Jack are at the beach. And Marcy's telling Jack about her blood rain dreams, or, like... She has nightmares where it just rains blood from the sky and it washes everything out and all this. Is this supposed to just be like a foreboding dream, like bad stuff's about to happen? I guess so, or just a way to work in that they're talking about blood in the movie. But it's like Kevin Bacon going on and on about like, oh, the wind just shift 180 degrees, the storm's gonna be coming down screaming through those mountains in a minute, just making you hot. (laughs) Uh, that's probably what's going on. But yeah, she does this weird, like, blood rain dream that starts raining, and Kevin Bacon's like, oh, this is no dream, we better get away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they run into the cabin that we saw Ned go into earlier, and they're gonna fuck. We get some Kevin Bacon butt here. Oh, and, okay, fuck as, as much as it looks like he inserted and then just let it marinate in there until he was finished. Because there's no movement, (laughs) there's no thrusting, it's just like, insert, wait five minutes, I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The camera pans up up from them having sex, and we see dead Ned in the top bunk. Oh, poor Ned. I love him. He was one of my favorite characters. We even uh, missed talking about earlier when... uh, Brenda was putting up the archery range and she puts up the target and then Ned like fires an arrow like less than a foot away from her that was, which was actually Tom Savini firing the arrow but I love he's like oh you want to see my trick shot and he's going to go like fire three arrows at her and she's like what the fuck are you doing you almost killed me it's <laughs> like I love you when you're angry sweetheart it's just like a <laughs> lovable goof the Ned character is one of my favorite characters that recurs throughout almost all of the movies, like someone playing this role. In the second one, it's the welcome to God's country guy and everything. Like, I always love that character archetype that we get in all the Friday movies. So do I. And the for part two, that like redheaded, annoying guy that gets extremely drunk at the bar. Spoilers for that episode whenever we do it. Survives. Yeah, he does. That's it. Alcoholism saved this man. (laughs) (laughs) We get some strip Monopoly starting here. It cuts back and forth a lot, but let's play a game. Monopoly. I hate Monopoly. Not the way I play it. I'm just picturing family game night at her house. It's pretty awkward. Yeah, like, Mom, I don't want to play strip Monopoly again. (laughs) Don't, Don't invite over Uncle Touchy. He likes it way too much. But yeah, this is where we get Brenda talking about like, oh yeah, see if they left any of that grass. And I also love the um, 
squatty, like the short, fat Budweiser bottles in this movie. Oh, yeah. The retro bottles. The only like beer or beer type thing I think that I see still really doing that is that woodchuck. It's like a hard cider thing. Yeah. They still have the short, fat, stubby bottles. That's the only ones that I ever still see with that. Uh, behind the scenes for the listeners that don't know, I worked at beer distributors for probably about a decade. And I would say about eight years ago, Budweiser came out with a, an anniversary pack. And it was the short little stubby bottles. And I got oh, some. Cool. They're really cool. And actually, they do taste a little bit different. You'll think I'm insane, but it does change the taste. Huh. I'll have to try some. But Marcy leaves Jack to go pee. And so Jack's laying down on the bed. Jack's Kevin Bacon again, smoking a joint. And a little blood drop drips on his head from above. Looks up like, what the fuck? And then we get the coolest kill in the movie, in my humble opinion. Yes, and the one that Tom Savini brags about so much, because it is, number one, an awesome kill, and number two, he's like, I got to kill Kevin Bacon. And it was in a brilliant moment of improv, save the scene, because the arrow goes through the throat from under the bed. That's the kill. And then you get, like, this pulsing, like, blood shooting wasn't supposed to happen. Like, the blood was just supposed to flow out, but it didn't work right and wasn't pushing the blood. So he rips out the tube and blew into it and then had to breathe in and blew out of it again. And that's why it looks like it's going with the pulses. Cause it's actually him blowing it out, breathing, blowing it out, which it just adds to it so much more. And it makes it such a much cooler kill. And I love that. It was just a piece of like, Oh fuck, this thing's fucking up. And we still have to like make this scene work. Let me do it. And that just shows you how great Savini is. Oh, he's a master of his craft. But uh, fun to... fact, this is the one picture that Kevin Bacon won't sign at cons anymore. Really? Yeah, he said he just doesn't like it. It just makes him feel <laughs> odd stabbing. I mean, signing a stabbing of himself constantly. He's a, He'll still sign stuff from Friday and everything. He just doesn't sign that shot. Oh, man, because I'm thinking, like, if I were to ever meet Kevin Bacon, number one, that's the only thing I'm going to want to, like, get him to sign it's gonna be either that yeah, tremors or yeah or tremors but this one 100 percent way more and then if that's my favorite kill so i'd be like oh man i don't know what to tell you he doesn't like signing it think about jack there for just that split second he just got done getting laid and he's just about to lay down in bed and smoke a joint at that time he's like this must this is probably about the greatest moment in my life blood drip what's that everything's ruined <laughs> everything's finishing up now here goes your life it went from but, peak yep. to valley <laughs> <laughs> marcy's in the bathroom and the door opens i don't know why we even have this but the sink won't work she fixes it and then hears a noise behind her she goes to like the shower curtain thing pulls it open and is axed in the face i think it's pretty cool looking anna watched this part with me and laughed at it i thought it was neat <laughs> oh i love the axe in the face part but like you said there's so many parts in this movie where it seems like okay we gotta pad out an extra 10 minutes so we're gonna add like a few extra scenes that should have been like cut down we're just gonna leave them as is because yeah she fixes yeah. the sink and then she goes into this monologue about like Let's see, Lizzie. They always said you'd be playing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, me and you, we can't say what it is yet, but just did a thing where we were being shot and stuff on camera for a little bit. And yeah, so, you know, it's going to turn out good because we cut out all the, let's just walk up here and look around. Like you, you don't need the whole thing, just parts of it, we now know. But I'm just picturing them. They're like, no, just keep doing all this we're keeping in. Yeah, we gotta pad this thing out. There's not, like, it's a really, like, interesting story that we could do here, but there's not much to it. So we gotta add Strip Monopoly. We gotta add a coffee-making scene. Turn the sink on. It doesn't work. You gotta mess with the sink. Do a monologue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of the Monopoly board, that board is still there at that camp, and it's signed by the cast, and when they do tours, you can see it and get your picture with the board and everything. Which I want, that's like on my bucket list now, too, of just like, I want to go on one of those tours and actually see the camp itself. Yeah, definitely. Okay, where are we? Yeah, Strip Monopoly is continuing at this point. 
And Brenda leaves without putting her clothes back on, which is very bizarre to me. She puts a jacket on, but none of her clothes. Yeah, as soon as Alice was about to take her shirt off, like, the door flung open. Uh, all this wind and rain comes blowing in. They have to save the money. Get the money down! Get the money down! And then Brenda's like, I guess she hasn't noticed it's been raining for hours and hours. And it's like, oh, I left... I think I left the windows in my cabin open. I better run and do that extremely right now. We're going to have to pick this game up later. Which, number one, his, does it not come across weird to you that all of these friends are just sitting around playing Strip Monopoly? A little bit, yeah. Of they're just stripping in front of... I guess they didn't have like the internet and like they doesn't even look like they have television there because they're just like playing guitar to the to each other. But... Do you just get that bored of like, okay, well, I guess we'll just see each other naked. That'll kill some time. I guess so. I mean, what else are they going to do? But I could never see in a situation where like I get with like my, I go over to like someone's house that's having a party and they're like, oh, we're going to play strip monopoly. You in? And I'd be like, no. Well, remind me not to invite you to game night. <laughs> and number one, I would lose immediately because I am the worst at every game. So I might as well just, I'd be like, I'm not going to play. I'll just get naked right now and just sit over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's next? Steve's at the diner. And yes. He leaves after still paying, even though he was told his coffee was on the house. Steve's a good dude. Well, no, I love it. So well, not really. What? I think he's taking advantage of teenage counselors, but. For this. I love it's like the very nice but old lady waitress. And he's like, what do I owe you? And she's like, just a night on the town. And he goes, ha ha ha. No, no really, like, what do I owe you money-wise? Because that's not happening. <laughs> and then he tips her like 75 cents because he hands her three ones and then goes, keep the change. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she said it was just a dollar then or something. So, no, I think he actually did a really good tip. Yeah, okay. But real quick, just to mention the diner one last time, those people cannot be any nicer going in there. Because whenever we showed up to Blairstown, that's the very first thing we came across. And we were both very hungry. So we were like, we're going to go inside and get some pictures and then order food and eat, of course. Because we figured if you're going to go inside of this business, you're going to buy something. They're not just going to well, let I mean, you walk in. Most people do that, yeah. They're not just going to let you walk in and take pictures. I figured they'd let you, because what are they going to say? But, like, I'm not going to do that. But they, we walk in, and she's like, oh, hi, guys. Are you guys eating, or are you just here to uh, see the diner? And I was like, no, we're eating. She's like, oh, okay, great. And she was super nice. The um, Let us walk around everywhere and take pictures, which some places do not let you do. And the food yeah. was excellent. Like, I could even see if we went there and the food was horrible. I would still be like, hey, it's the Friday the 13th filming location. I had a good time. We were there almost two years ago. I still think about that cheeseburger today. It was so yeah. good. It was a great time. I think we saw pictures online for it from it. Oh, yeah, there definitely are. Um, I'll repost them whenever the episode comes out. Um, oh, nice. But I, st I follow them on Instagram, and they constantly post their daily specials. And I'm like, I want to drive the six hours or whatever it is there just to eat. It wasn't that terrible of a drive, so yeah. Yeah. Brenda's in the bathhouse brushing her teeth. That's just to establish where she's at. Steve's on his way back, and his Jeep breaks down, and he's stuck. He gets a ride back from one of the cops. Yeah, and I love the cop doing the... um kind of exposition of like you know it's a full moon tonight and it's friday the 13th you know full moons make people go nuts you know crime goes up uh thefts go up murders go up everything goes up and christy's like you're just making uh science out of coincidence did you do you buy into that the whole full moon thing I've got to say, I don't, I mean, I don't really buy into it, any of the full moon star things, but I do know whenever I look up and I'm like, oh shit, it's a full, full moon tonight. I do go, cool. <laughs> My theory is always like, well, the moon controls the tide, I think, and aren't we mainly water? Who knows? Maybe the moon like makes our blood go all weird and we go crazy. Maybe. But I'm definitely, a couple years ago when it was a full moon on Halloween, I was like, oh, this is the ultimate thing. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. The only thing that would make it better if after everything settled down, there was a thunderstorm. Yes. Cop gets radioed for an accident and drops Steve off at the entrance of, of the camp, like, to go in the rest of the way. Here's my thing. You know who I think that accident was? Who? The motorcycle cop. Oh, yes! <laughs> who else would it be? An accident out in that area. Who do you think wrecked? It's that cop who clearly lied to get his job as a motorcycle cop. He swerved into oncoming traffic and, like, dumped his bike, and it caused this huge pileup with, like, multiple yeah. fatalities. I guarantee it. That's who caused the wreck. I love that headcanon. That's my new <laughs> headcanon for this movie. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. He gets out, the cop drives away, and there's this real bright spotlight blinding him. And we get to, oh, hi, what are you doing out in this mess? So he knows who this person is. Right. And then he's stabbed. And you get the great, I love Steve Christie's death face, where he's just like, oh? His mouth goes wide, his like eyes go super open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, where are we at? Bill goes out to start the generator because the power's out. Alice stays behind to sleep. She wakes up and makes coffee. And how long does this scene go on for? Well, number one, I love that Bill's kind of getting ready to go back out and like get the generator going. And you hear Alice go, do you want me to go with you? And you see Bill look down and he's like, no, you try to get some rest. As it pans over to her, she's under a blanket laying down on the couch with her head on the pillow. Even if he's like, yeah, come with me. I really need your help. I bet she should be like, oh, god damn it. I was being nice. I'm really tired. <laughs> I shouldn't have offered that. And yeah, like you said, she wakes up and then we get a 45 minute scene of her making coffee. It's not. I mean, slight exaggeration, but it feels like it, it. feels like 45 minutes of she goes in and gets the instant coffee. Dink, 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 dink. Okay, now put it in the other glass. Dink, 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 dink. Okay, screw on the thing. Go back into the pantry. Come back out with sugar. She's boiling the water, putting the sugar in. Dink, 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 dink. Now for the <laughs> other glass. Dink, 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 dink. Hmm. Jesus, if you make me relive this whole scene. Yes, this is it, it's it's that painful. <laughs> of this scene makes this movie go down a, a star rating for me, a point. This goes down a point because of this scene. This scene is pretty rough. Every single time we get to it, I remember being very little and watching this and being like, why is this in here? When none of this matters. I hate this. Well, especially when you're little because then everything's needs to be more fun and upbeat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Faster pace. You know, keep your attention. This isn't it. No, it, this is one of the worst scenes in any of these Friday movies. And she kind of does it again in part two when Alice shows up at the very beginning. She's making tea again. And you see her grab the, the thing to start boiling water. And you're like, oh, motherfucker. Leave the fucking coffee alone. <laughs> Okay, so after she makes her coffee, she's like, I should go look for Bill because he's not back yet. And goes out and finds him stuck to a door with arrows. So, holy shit, how strong is Mrs. Voorhees? Oh, she's got some upper body strength there on her to lift this full-grown man and then pin him with, like, arrows at the exact same time. Yeah, it's gonna take a lot. But how, also, how cool of a reveal and a holy shit moment is it when Alice opens the door to reveal, reveal Bill hanging there, all bloody, and it's just, like, the immediate reaction of, like, you know, oh, fuck, I'm completely alone now. Yeah, like, that's terrifying, and it finally kicks it into where she is aware of the danger she's in now. Oh, shit! I better go finish my coffee! <laughs> <laughs> she goes into the cabin, and she rope locks the door shut? What is this? This is another scene where it's Alice alone taking way too long to do something that in two minutes she completely destroys. If she does this weird like rope thing around the door, I mean, I guess to like try to lock it, then she just starts piling everything in the cabin in front of the door to the point of it's like falling over. She puts a chair on top. The chair falls over immediately. Yeah. That's not helping. Where she does that, and then if I remember right, she runs into the kitchen to grab a weapon. 
And that's when Brenda goes crashing through the window, which is the very first of many, many, many dead body through window crashes in this series. Yes, definitely. It's a staple of it. To the point where when you get to part four and Jason does it, you're, and he takes out two windows at the same time, you're like, yeah! <laughs> that and just, like, walking right through the door. I'm a big fan oh, of Oh, that's so cool, too. He just, like, undertakers his way through the door of, like, the door's styrofoam. <laughs> yes. She looks outside and sees Steve's Jeep pull back in, and she runs out thinking it's Steve, obviously, and this little old lady's there revealed to us. Who and, are you? Well, I miss... Why, I'm Mrs. Voorhees. I'm an old friend of the Christie's. I can quote most of the speech. Yes. And it is where, and if Betsy Palmer as Mrs. Voorhees in this movie wasn't so good, I would be like, bullshit, we do not know this person whatsoever, and all of a sudden, they're the killer? It's not like they mentioned that there was a cook, or like the per- the son, the kid that drowned, Her, uh, the mom went insane. There's no mention of anything about her until she just shows up. But at up least and she's they the mentioned the kid a lot. Yeah, you know, at least they mentioned the kid quite a few times. Where that then will make sense. But like we've uh, given other movies shit for doing this exact same thing, so I wanted to point out we know. But Betsy Palmer is so good; she makes up for it. <laughs> yeah, and there's at least a tie to the story we've been told. Right. It's not like Scream 2. I mean, slight spoilers if you don't know it. The killer's Billy's mother! Like, where we don't... Oh, that one makes me so mad. It's like, that's what? Uh, that's probably one of my least favorite killers of all the Scream oh, movies. Oh, me too. Is Billy's mom. Yeah, a character we didn't know existed, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, yeah. that's neither here nor there. And she's way too calm, this Mrs. Voorhees, and Alice is way too trusting. Well, because uh, Mrs. Voorhees like, oh, I'll go have a look, and Alice is like, no, 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 he'll kill you. And I love the, she smiles, she's like, I'm not afraid. And it's like, of course you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're the one doing all of it. She sees him, you get the, oh my, and then she goes into her monologue. She's like, his name was Jason. Then we get the flashback to him drowning and all that stuff. Jason was my son. And today is his birthday. We also get a thousand other good lines in here. I think my favorite delivery from her, though, isn't even the Jason was my son, today is her birthday. It's just where she's like, he wasn't a very good swimmer. Yeah, and the little smile where she's just like, it's like, he wasn't a very good swimmer. And she kind of smirks. And then that's when this shit kind of starts going haywire. And that's right when the music starts kicking in a little bit too, kind of. And, like, right when she does that and she stops for a minute, like, being all crazy and then talks again. They should have been watching him. Yeah, and then is is this... She starts doing the Jason voice to her, doesn't she? Kill her! Kill her, mommy! Yeah. (laughs) And I love the Mrs. Voorhees Jason voice. It's like, she can't hide. No place to hide. She sounds like a South Park Canadian when she's doing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, there's no place to hide there, buddy. I'm not your buddy, guy. I'm not your guy, friend. I'm not your friend, buddy. Alice fends off the first Mrs. Voorhees attack with a fire poker. And then she runs out to the Jeep and she finds the dead body of Annie in the Jeep, screams and runs the other way. Then she, uh, right when she gets steered to a tree, Steve falls out of a tree right in front of her, you know, just for that extra Friday the 13th timing that we always get. Yeah, that great booby track, booby trap timing that all these killers seem to have. Yes. I also want to mention, I love uh, Mrs. Voorhees' death shriek when she runs at Alice. The... (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's great. It's so primal and... Kind of stupid and great at the same time. Yeah, and Betsy Palmer was, like, so good. She started out on stage, and she did a lot of stage work. So she was very method, kind of, with this performance, to the point of, like, later when they're fighting. She actually slapped Alice as hard as she could across the face. And Adrian King's like, don't do that. This is a movie. (laughs) Yeah, because on a stage you have to, to get that sound and everything. Yeah, and to make it look real. So it's not a Luke Skywalker Return of the Jedi force kick. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, Alice gets to the boat shed and gets a gun from there. 
Come, dear, it will be easier for you than it was for Jason. And then lots of slaps. Lots and lots and lots of slaps. And Alice is thrown through a table, but hits Pamela with the gun and runs away. She has so many killer knocked out, you can finish this, or actually get away moments, and she never does. Yeah, it's the thing of, like, just because the killer fell down doesn't mean now you're safe and can just go run and hide. Do one more death blow to this person, then you're good. Once you see yeah. the head detach from the body, you're safe. Oh, well, Alice learned from the best crazy Ralph and hides in the pantry. We get the very tense, honestly, doorknob rattling scene. And then she starts macheteing her way into the pantry. The door opens and she gets hit with a frying pan. Yeah, and this time she wrote, like, Mrs. Voorhees goes down again. Alice rolls her over and there's, like, some blood coming from her head. Also, like, yes, there's some blood, but not enough where I'm going to be like, oh, this person's out for the count. Oh, no, I assume they're coming back. Yeah. Uh, Pretty much hide and seek. Alice ends up down by the docks and everything, and then we get our lakeside fight. And... It's great. Just lots of yelling, slapping, and being on sand. I love when, like, Mrs. Voorhees gets on top of Alice and just takes her head by, like, she grabs her hair, starts slamming her head into the sand. Oh, yeah, that has to feel so bad, I'm thinking. And that has to be, again, Betsy Palmer going method with it, and Adrian King being like, chill out a little, man. Like, you're actually beating my head into the sand. (laughs) And the fight all ends with Pamela Voorhees being beheaded with the machete. With the great Harry Manfredini score. And I love it's in slow-mo of you see Alice turn around, like whip around with the machete. The extremely shocked look on Mrs. Voorhees' face. And then the fact that you actually see the beheading happen. Where Tom Savini in real time. Was, I mean, they slow it down, but yeah. Yeah, it's in real time. Where Tom Savini's like, I want to not only decapitate someone, but then I want the head to spin as it's yeah. falling. <laughs> it looks so good. It looks so awesome, even still today. The next morning, Alice is out on the canoe in the middle of the lake waiting for help to arrive. I don't know why. Everything earlier fine. the phone lines were cut. She's just assuming the cops are showing back up? Yeah, she just, you know, just went out on the lake to have a nice peaceful time. Everything's over. Nothing's going to happen. She's just waiting to be saved. Like, the, especially with the music cues. I mean, nothing... The movie's over at this point. And you might as well turn it off because there's no more jump scares. <laughs> She's 100% safe. She doesn't want to get wet. That's 100% sure. Correct. She's laying there and... Police arrive, she waves, and then out of the lake jumps fucking Ari Lehman playing <laughs> J- like young boy Jason Voorhees and drags her in. An old Your man on this. An old man with curly hair and a keytar jumps out of the lake, shreds really cool while a stripper's twerking in front of him, and then grabs her and pulls her under the lake. Ari Lehman's living his best life. I love that guy. Um she wakes up at the hospital and what about the boy? Did you find the boy in the lake? Ma'am, we didn't find any boy. Then he's still there. Ooh. I do like this, how the camera fades off of her face, and we just get some lake shots. I think it's yeah. actually really cool. Because I remember being little, and like once it would sh- fade to the lake, and I would be like so close to the television screen. And I remember swearing, like, I see bubbles. I see bubbles right there. There's where Jason is. <laughs> Mom, yes, Brett, that's very good. That, that, I bet you that is where Jason is. Yes. Can we watch another movie? <laughs> yeah, part two. And, God damn it. And that's the end of the movie. What a great time. Yeah, bravo. Um, one of the best, like, first movies in a series. Because there are a lot, so, especially with horror movies, sometimes the first one is nowhere near as good as the other ones because they find their footing in the other ones. Look at Slumber Party Massacre. Oh, it Party happens Massacre. a lot. You know? Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of sequels. Like, the Critter sequels are way more fun than the original, to be honest. Like, even, like, I love Phantasm 1, but there's a lot of people that make the argument that the other ones are where they find their footing. I'm one of them. Yes. But, yeah, all, overall, I mean, it's a cla- It's like a top five, like, or at least top ten classic, classic movie. Yeah, I'd agree with that. 
So, you want to get in Count of the Dead? Yes, let's get into the Count of the Dead. Ah, ah, ah. Alright, for those who don't know, the Throbbing Throw Count of the Dead is where we tally up all the deaths in the movie, movie and we add to our grand total of all the movies we've done so far. The last episode we did was Deep Red. Left us with a Count of the Dead of 1,018. Where do you think Friday the 13th brought us? Does Jason drowning count? No, I didn't count okay. that. I never count Jason because it's so unclear. I'm going to say there are 10. You think there's 10 that would bring us to 1,028? Yes. You got it. Yes. Well done. I had to get this one. You got it, and look, you've hit some that you got recently, but they were both movies that had one. Yes. So very well done. If I didn't get the kill count on this one, I would have been like, I'm done. I don't deserve to be on here. <laughs> yeah, 1,028. Very nice. Well, um, Greg every week does his count of the dead, ah, 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 and I do my ratings from Dimension Z. <laughs> Uh, there's a storm going to be coming screaming down through them mountains. <laughs> it's going to be raining blood. Yeah. Raining blood from last night's sky. <laughs> um, so basically my rating system is I got one through ten, one being the worst, ten being the best, and I pick something from the movie to rate the movie. And I don't come up with that thing until right now. And I'm trying to think what would be really good for this one. There's some definitely some ones that stick out. Um I almost want to do, just because of our history with the movie I've and the diner, I kind of want to do diner food. Okay, I'll take it. Okay. It's better than boy than boys jumping out of the water. Yeah, the, yeah uh, shirtless boys. <laughs> <laughs> and no amount is good. <laughs> um, All right, so diner food. So a number one version of diner food, which is the worst version is you have to imagine, like, you go in there, for some reason they still allow smoking. Every single person in there is smoking cigarettes. And I used to not be bothered by it at all. I used to be a cigarette smoker myself. Anymore, I cannot stand the smell or any of it. Yeah. The eggs are runny. You got sausage gravy. It, they basically dumped it out of a can and didn't even heat it. It's one of those places of just like, ooh, I feel sticky setting in here. <laughs> A number okay. 10 diner is the Blairstown Diner in Blairstown, New Jersey. If you are ever Excellent. passing through that area, even if you're a, like, oh, I can take or, you know, take or leave the Friday the 13th series, that diner is so amazing. I cannot say enough nice things about them. I love them. Uh, yeah, it was really good. I'm going to give this movie, and remember that I said that it lost a... Uh, one point for that goddamn coffee making scene. This movie gets eight <laughs> diners out of ten. Oh, nice! I went straight up seven diners out of ten. Not far behind you. Okay, I was between seven and eight, and I was like, I feel really good about eight, especially if I can get throw in the thing of like it would have been better, but fucking coffee. That that might be one of the reasons I don't enjoy coffee at all. Because from the very young age, I'm like, oh, fuck your coffee. Now, here's the thing about this movie is I feel like your expectations will never be met with the first Friday the 13th. If you go in expecting what the series turns into, Jason and everything, you're not going to have a great time necessarily. Now, I still think you will, but you're not going to get that. Now, if you go in going, oh, this is the bad one that a lot of people don't count, it's not that either. The movie's charming as fuck. Like, I love this movie. Crazy Ralph alone makes it yes. worth it. Like, Pamela's giant fight at the end. Really good gore effects. Like, it's... Your expectations will not be what you expect when you walk into this movie, though. No, it's a lot of fun. This is the only Friday the 13th movie that Liz likes. Yeah, see, it is very different than the rest. I know some people... And if you're on a time constraint, I get it. When they're doing their watch through, start it at two. Some people even at three, but I don't think you need to do that. No, you gotta watch one. It's always so good. And it just holds such yeah. a special place in my heart. Because I take this movie as one of the movies that won my won me my wife over. Because I remember she came down here to where I live. I'm still living with my parents. And I took her out. We ate 24 wings. I brought her back to my nice. parents' house. We watched Friday the 13th 1, 2, and some of 3. 
and then from then on, we've been inseparable. So I always Good. take part of it as, oh, she liked Friday the 13th. She was so impressed with my knowledge of this movie and my <laughs> not being able to shut up about it, even though I'm on a second date with this woman I barely know. Yeah, this one, this one or over. Uh, yeah, let's just say that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I'm so glad we got to do this. Happy Friday the 13th, everybody. Yes, happy Friday the 13th. This is, uh, aside from Halloween, Friday the 13th is probably like my second favorite like holiday thing. Yeah, some years we get more than one one a year, too. And sometimes we get it in October. Yeah, that's always nice. Yeah. All right. Should we talk about next episode? Yes. What's next episode, Greg? Next episode is Friday the 13th. Yes. 2009. So this will be really cool to listen back to back like or watch back to back, like to compare the two of them and everything like that. Yeah. And Greg had the really good idea of doing the original and then the remake. Do both just Friday the 13th and put them together for this day, which I loved. And I remember really enjoying the remake whenever I like saw it in theaters. And because I was definitely at that, I was in high school and whatnot. And I remember getting together with me and my buddy went together and we were just so pumped for it. So I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, and when I say next, it's out the same time as this. I just had to order these things for Count of the Dead and stuff like this. Right, so as soon as this episode turns off, you will go to the other episode and play it. Yes, I hope you are caught up. Yes, you better be. All right. Man, that's all I think I got on Friday. Yeah, that's all I got. I mean, I could go on and on and on about this movie. You know I could, but yeah. For time, I'm good. Okay. All right. Well, we hope that Friday the 13th has left your brain throbbing with horror. Do you like throbbing with horror? Their early shows were a little too avant-garde for me, but I hear if you follow them on the social media, they do terrific work. You should probably rate them five stars wherever you're listening to them. It makes their show a cut above the rest. Make sure you tune in next week. Wouldn't want to miss another episode, right? (laughs) Hey, Paul!